Welcome one and all to the Track One Side One podcast. I'm your host Gaz Jones and today's guest is an award-winning wedding photographer. He was the in-house lensman for such venues as the Electric Ballroom in Camden and the Cambridge Corn Exchange and he's had his work published in Kerrang, Terrorizer and many, many more. His name's Daniel Ackerley and this chat is an absolute scorcher with some all-time classics put on the virtual stereo. So please enjoy, and I'll speak to you at the end. Cheers. I feel kind of basic today. Top five side ones, track ones. You're listening to the Track One Side One podcast with me, your host, Gaz Jones. The greatest. Each week, a guest picks their five favorite album opening tracks, and we dissect, discuss, and debate each one. So let's put on our classics and have a little chat then, shall we? And we're live. Sitting in front of me on my laptop screen is the lovely Daniel Ackerley Holmes. How are you, sir? I'm all right, son. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right, Dad. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Before we start on your list, mate, I was just wondering how hard was it getting it down just to five songs? It's been so difficult because I, I, I actually, when you asked that question, it was quite funny. I've always, I've always had this, and uh, 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 I knew this thing about me that I'm very emotionally attached to a lot of opening tracks of albums that I love, and they're often the albums of bands that are probably my. They're not necessarily the best albums that they've made, but they're my favourites because it's the album that I fell in love with. And I know we're going to talk about Jimmy World later, but. Um, Bleed American, like I, it was the first Jimmy album I heard, and I, I, there's a big argument that Futures is better, and I would probably make that argument myself. But Bleed American, oh my god, like that album, like I, I can't get over it emotionally. Like that is the album for me. I get excited about listening to it even now, and so I realised that when I put this list together, I wrote down like 20 different tracks, and I had to whittle it down, and I was like, <gasps> so I had to pick the tracks that really I love, and the ones I've actually got stories about, like uh, personal stories about each individual track for whatever reason. So, without further ado, what's the first song you want to talk about? So we should probably talk about my favourite band, Smashing Pumpkins. Um, and the very first song of theirs I ever heard was Cherub Rock. So the opening track of Siamese Dream from 93. That track, it's not only one of my favourites, but even now when I hear that opening drum roll from Jimmy, I'm just like, oh, God, there's Cherub Rock. <laughs> yeah, da-na, da-na. I'm just like, ah! That's, that snare drum intro. And like you say, I still get excited about it now. Yes, mate. I don't know how many hundreds, thousands of times maybe over the years I've heard this song. This song's like nearly 30 years old. But I still get that fizzy teenage kind of feelings again the excitement because i know what's coming yeah you know, <laughs> absolutely yeah it's that uh, just when when those those kind of i don't know a hundred tracks of guitar come crashing in about 25 <laughs> seconds in and it, you're just kind of bamboozled with this wave of shoegaze meets arena rock guitar just flows over you and just knocks you off your feet there was something about the pumpkins that made them just different to all the other bands at that time i'll tell you what's interesting about that so i was i was actually 12 when this came out i, <laughs> I know that you were a couple of years older than me so i was in the embryonic stages of first like really hearing about guitar music now 
I only really got into rock music in the, the few years before. It was 1989. I mean, I was eight or nine years old. And my parents had got um, the forerunner to Sky. And for Christmas that year, I'd asked my parents for some music. I asked for Pearl Jam 10. I got Nirvana. Never mind. And I got a Guns N' Roses album. My music taste at the time was, it was, I was still, I was excited about everything. It turned out that there was a guy in my class called Andy Campbell who lived in the village. He was like the only other guy that lived in the village. And he was pretty cool. And he was a drummer and he was into his punk and metal now. We were 12, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, one, definitely. One day, he's, yeah, he says to me, come over, dude. I've got something I think you're going to like. And it, so his dad used to work for the RF out in, um, uh, I, I can't remember if it was in Saudi Arabia. And so what he used to do is every six months he'd come home with this big duffel bag full of, it was these cassettes in heat-proof cases. Yep. It'd be like wow. Pumpkins, Nirvana. It would be Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, you know, um, Metallica, Megadeth, all that kind of thing. We'd just sit and listen to him. So that was my kind of education. And then one day I go around to Andy's house and as I'm about to leave his house to go home, and he goes to me, here's, here's something I'm thinking you might like. And he gives me this, like, heat-proof cassette. And it's got this crappy artwork that's been stretched to fit this cassette. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Smashing Pumpkins. And I thought, that's the stupidest name I've ever heard. Like, Smashing Pumpkins, what? And I think, I listened to this on the way home. So I put it in. And what's the first thing that plays? Chair of Rock. And I'm like, whoa, okay. So straight away, I'm like, this is really good. I only make it a little bit up the hill and there's a little uh, uh, bench by the old phone box. Mm. And I and I just, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sit and I, this is really good. I'm just going to sit and listen for a little while. I sat there until it, it was dark. Right? I, I listened to the whole album. I don't know if it's three or four times on repeat, but I, I wow. sat there for hours and I listened to Siamese Dream and I was so like, I'd never heard anything like it. It absolutely blew my mind. I was like, this was my band. Like, mm. this was the band I was going to have the relationship with for my whole life, you know? And Cheryl Brock still, like, even now, it just the minute I hear it, it takes me straight back to that bench, and I'm sat in Great Stukeley, little village, on my own with my little crappy headphones, those little rubbish headphones, teeny yeah. as anything. There's no bass, you know. No. And, I, and I'm sat there as a 12 year old, and I'm listening to Sammy's Dream. I'm just sat like. I remember as well. I remember distinctively. Bearing in mind, I don't know. I didn't know anything about being a musician at the time. I, I just remember listening to the first few tracks and thinking, "The drummer in this band is ridiculous." <laughs> like mm-hmm. Jimmy Chamberlain. What the hell's going on there? Like. Cracking first choice, Smashing Pumpkins. Before we go on to the second track, mate, uh, what are the characteristics that make a great opening track? What do you look for? Oh, well, you know what? This probably goes to the heart of, of uh, the art of an album, doesn't it, in some respects? Yeah. I mean, so yeah. many, there's a lot of people that are buying the idea that the opening track is arguably the most important going back to the time when it was the very first thing you that you heard mm-hmm. you know and it wasn't so easy to dismiss a track you, you know you had to you listen to it so oh god yeah i don't know that's really hard i yeah i guess there's an immediacy you want to you want to i like i like albums that, that hit you straight between the eyes when, when you first put them on funnily enough actually now you've made me think of it that's something there's something that is something that is a theme of all the tracks i've put um i've put on here there were songs that immediately just yeah. went fuck you know you need to this is amazing and you're you're in straight away you're invested straight away track two mate mid to late noughties i'm i'm desperately trying to get my photography career up and running and i'm i'm, I'm and i'm thinking you know um I, I need to do something big and then this crazy opportunity to go to arizona and uh and do a photo shoot for maxim magazine came about anyway i got involved in it and i just downloaded it before i left and stuck it on my ipod thing before i went to fly to america so I, i'm like, i'll listen on the, on the on the plane and i'll i, I put my headphones on and great expectations like so that little start with the leader drops and you get all that uh, yeah. i don't know if it's a gramophone or if it's a if, if it's an old lp and that, that look, so it's just like you get hit with this instant hit of nostalgia you know and i'm like and then it kicks in and you're like oh, what, what the hell is this 
it's like Bruce Springsteen front in Social Distortion. It's like, oh my God, this is like one of the best albums I've ever heard. I haven't even listened to all of it yet. I've only heard the first three tracks, and I know. Um, and but Great Expectations was the first. I, I, went, I went back to it um, straight away I, um, after I listened to it all the album all the way through. I listened to Great Expectations about five times on repeat before I listened to the rest of it. But then when it starts, I'm just like, mm. wow, what an opening track. Mm-hmm. What an opening track. And that needle drop in and the, um, you know, and the reference to Stella from the, uh, the Great Expectations novel, you know. And it, yeah. So I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. And do you know what? It's one of those, I'm listening to it and I'm, and I'm getting nostalgic for a time and a place I've never been to and I've never lived. I feel like this weird nostalgia for some, something that I've never experienced. They literally came out of nowhere onto everyone's radar. I think at pretty much exactly the same time. I like to say, yeah, when, when that needle sound drops at the start of, of the record and it's got that kind of jump and then it's yeah. just bang, straight in. Brian Fallon's he kind of constructs almost like movie scenes, just poetic lyrics, you know, about the lost opportunities and, you know, the taillights driving away, the whole kind of haunted loneliness and the yeah. chances that he's missed. I'll tell you why that, that record hit me so hard, like emotionally as well, because I wasn't in the best place when I went to the States and I kind of like... I went out there thinking I need to get away and actually this is the perfect opportunity. I've got this big photo job. I went out to America and that I ended up playing that record every single day that I was driving around the States. So it was this amazing album by an amazing American band singing about American culture. And I was driving in America for the first time on my own. It, it was it is perfect. It was it's absolutely bad. perfect. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, and, I, and, I, and it's to this day, like, it takes me straight back there. Again, it's one of those albums that take me straight back. And also, Brian Fallon's a storyteller. You know, he's a, he's a poet, like you just said, he's a poet. And he takes you places. And you can close your eyes to that album and you are everywhere that he is. You know, you're there and you're seeing it. It's in your eyes and you're relating it to your own life. Did it disappoint you that Gaslight didn't get bigger? Do you know what? That is an interesting question because in a way... Uh, yeah, do you know what? I felt like they were slighted. They, they should have been massive. Mm. They were still a bit of a secret, even though they were. They got. As, they got about as big as they could have got, actually. Well, but, but it was, they got to Brixton level. I, I genuinely thought when American Slang came out, and I, I genuinely thought, especially when when uh, the fourth album came out, uh, handwritten and like the first single, Forty Five. I was oh, like, yeah. I was like, this is it, home run. Wembley so Arena, they are going to headline Reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. for whatever reason, I don't know if it was because it never quite clicked in this country with that kind of music. I mean, yes, I mean it's very Americana. Yeah, I think I, it was. I think it was bad timing in a way, like you just said. I, mm-hmm. I, I think is what they think. They they did get a big following here, but it, it, they they were never going to be the superstars over here no. that they were that they could have that they should have probably been and no. i think like there's that cultural disconnect because because uh, so much of what they're what they sing about isn't really a, about things that your average person here might necessarily relate to yeah. i think maybe that's the reason why they didn't get so big and i also think maybe the springsteen thing maybe become a hindrance in the end you know yeah um, yeah i think they got so uncomfortable with the whole kind of being compared to be it springsteen you know replacements all these kind of bands yeah and i think they'd just had enough of all of it. I think they'd had enough of being the gaslight anthem. There's sometimes. Yeah, no, that could, mate, you, you summed it up perfectly. Like they, they, you know what? Great expectations ends up becoming a prophecy. You yeah, know, completely. <laughs> they completely. can never really, they can never really, I think as well, because, and you know what? That album, you're right. Uh, you, 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 you said something earlier, which is so spot on. Um, 
I could, I could, it'd been a while so when that album came out. It'd been a while since I think we'd all be out somewhere and everyone was talking about the same record. Mm. Uh, a, a long time since that had happened, actually, I think. And and everyone was talking about that Gaslight yeah. Anthem record. It was special. Yeah. Everyone was like, wow. Yeah, you know, I, I have mates who weren't even into that kind of music saying, yeah. wow, this is incredible. Yeah. It's the importance of the opening track of an album as we first knew it when we were starting to obsess over music when we were younger. Is the importance of an opening track uh, something you think has been lost in the digital age? Again, another difficult question. It depends on the band because some bands still mm. respect the art of the album, and I, you know, and they and they they want to write up a piece of music that's coherent, and and they want to um, they want to have that impact, and they still think people are going to listen to albums, but. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 10, 40, uh, so I, I'm not necessarily sure how uh, young people don't listen to music the same way that we necessarily did, you know? And you know what I liken this to? I liken this actually to, I had a conversation with a friend recently about how often it is you listen to, you get an album and those immediate songs that you love straight away, like the singles, the let's get to a chorus in the first 30 seconds, let's get a song that we can put on the radio, you know, you like them instantly. And then later on, as you get into the album, it's that it's that six minute album track that, that at first you weren't that sure about ends up becoming the best song they ever wrote. This is why I do truly think that, with you know, with these pop acts, say Dua Lipa, whoever, you know, these new kind of acts, you know, that's why nine times out of 10, the chorus is in the first... 10, 15 seconds of the song. Because yeah, yeah. if the, if they, you know, the kids, man, if they haven't heard a hook, scrub, next. Oh, that's it. Yeah, they, next, they, they'll next, move on. And they won't, yeah, they won't they give do. it the time. You know? and no, also, no, not at all. There's a couple no. of reasons for that as well because there's so much saturation. There's so much music about now. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, yeah. If you're not hit with something straight away, you just move on. And yeah. that is why I've gone back to LPs in a weird way. Yeah. I've, I've yeah, gone, no, I want to re-engage with music because even I, even I became susceptible to that I, a new yeah. album would drop and i'll have spotify premium or whatever uh, about you know five six years ago i just do it once i think that's brilliant and i never go back to it and i'm like wow no. this is crazy why am i not listening yeah. to that again? track three mate well let's talk about let's talk about i'll tell you what we'll talk about we will talk about jimmy world bleed american okay. holy shit what a song <laughs> <laughs> and you know the, again uh, first time i ever heard jimmy world i know they had a couple of albums out three albums for that that are brilliant Different though. This was a yeah. bit different. This was, yeah. and I, I, I distinctly Massive. remember the first time I heard this. I wasn't planning on hearing it. I wasn't looking for it. I was at home. I think I had MT. Is it MTV two or Scars or something like that? And the video came on, and that, and I was like, so instantly I'm like, okay, cool, that's massive, that riff came yeah. up. And, then, and then the lyrics, you know, I'm not along because the TV, and I'm like, wow, this is good, it's chugging along, massive chorus, holy shit, this is amazing. I ring up my mate Martin, and I'm like, Martin, and he's like, did you just see that Jimmy at once? I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> holy shit, that was he was watching it as well. And he was going to ring me. It was just like, it was like, wow, that was amazing. And I, I remember seeking it out. I got the album the minute it came out and uh, that album blew me away. Like, holy crap. What a great album that was being American. But the first track. Yeah. Brilliant. What a song as well. It's got, every, it's got everything. Dude. I mean, we just talking about choruses. I mean, okay. It gets to the chorus. But it's got hooks. It's got choruses. It's got great lyrics. It's got all this presence, you know, it's, um, it's got, ang he's angry. You know, he's um, he's got purpose in what he sings. You know, there's a load of conviction. You know, he means what he says. Incredibly strong lyrics. You know, the whole dissatisfaction and yearning, and that almost like scathing look at modern America. I'm not alone because the TV's on. Yeah, I'm not crazy because I take the right pills every pills. day. That's right. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah like, like you said, man, hooks for days. This whole song, everything is a hook. For, for me, it's a sign of a good song when people can sing the guitar riff. I genuinely thought they were a new band because like you, this is the first thing I ever heard. Yep. I was like, holy shit. Wow, what, what's this? Well, this it, was, you know, it was a great yeah. mixture of emo and yep. pop rock. Yep. 
and yeah. alternative rock, you know. Yeah, um, yeah and, definitely. And, and it was quite mature as well. It, 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 a lot of emo gets accused of, well, we can have that, probably another a whole different debate of what is emo. In fact, let's not, go down that, let's not go down that rabbit hole. But I think what I like about Jimmy is like, just to make a wider point, is there a band that I think have grown up with their audience? So a lot yeah, of emo oh, bands completely. didn't. They, 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 um, they're very much of their time and they never changed. Yeah. And that's why they, 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 a lot of people lost interest. But Jimmy... Which- as their, as their audience got older, they got older with them, and they and they still write songs you can relate to. And even the last couple of albums, I've absolutely loved. You know, Futures. Yeah. So Futures was an absolute banger. And I'm like, this is this is like mature pop emo. You know. Try and name another emo band that's released 12, 13 albums now. That's whatever what I mean. it is. Where's where's, yeah. the, where's the longevity for some of those bands? It doesn't exist. Yeah. You know? They're reforming now, and they on the nostalgia on the nostalgia. Yeah. But Jimmy yeah. Jimmy kept going. They kept and, going, man. They're like the emo motorhead. Yeah, Every three that. years, you will get a new Jimmy Eat World album. Their time in the sun and the hype bit and all that has gone. But every three years, there'll be a new album. It will be brilliant or yeah. really good. There'll be three or four classic songs on it. But they'll go out. The live set. Yeah. Yeah, they'll <laughs> tour the world and they'll be amazing live. And then another three years time, the cycle yeah. will start again. Hey, and I, I'm so cool with that, man. Yeah. That consistent body of work they've got in their back catalogue. Yes, is is mad. It's that, that that it's so consistent, and you can't fuck with those with that set list that they play every tour, man. No. It's it's ridiculous. Do you still? I mean, you said about your you're going back to buying vinyl and stuff again. Do you still like to make time to sit there, drop the needle, well, and just let and, and just be lost in an album? I'm very lucky because uh, being self-employed, I I got a lot of time to work my own hours if you like so when i'm at home in a week which is not most if i'm not out shooting i, I so I, I i like to structure my day because i'm not that productive i can't sit in, a, in front of a computer for eight hours and work I, I i could do five maybe six hours so what i tend to do in the morning i get up and have a cup of tea about nine and i will sit and put a record on and i'll listen to it i'll then work in the office for five six hours and then before jen comes home from work i'll put another record on so i listen to at least two records a day that's kind of my thing that i do um and sometimes at night i just i'll listen to a couple more so yeah i do make the time and effort um it's been so good for my mental health, if I'm being totally honest. I, I realised a few years ago, um, uh, I was having some mental health issues. Uh, it's something you and me talk about a lot. And and uh, and I was trying to figure out ways of um, of helping myself, if you know what I mean. Mm. And there's obvious things we can do. But I did think at the time that as much as I enjoyed the kind of Spotify generation, and I like to discover a lot of bands, I wasn't engaged in it like I used to be. I was just consuming it it was there but i wasn't mm. i was a casual listener i used to be an engaged listener it's a different thing so i was like uh, my love of music started to wane and i realized it wasn't that i didn't love music anymore but i wasn't engaged in the right way so when the whole vinyl thing i thought we'd idea get a record player i got a record player my dad gave me some old vinyl i got my first few vinyl and i realized i was actually listening again and so now i've really embraced it and it's, uh, it's not about the best quality sound it's not about convenience in fact it's bloody inconvenient you know but i, but I love the, i love the ritual of it i love the yeah. get i love um picking it up and having the artwork and the swell of yeah. it i love yeah. i love putting it out and having to put it down and having to sit and listen to it because i can't skip listen to the record so yeah. what i did i sit down yeah. and i will actually probably listen and i've rediscovered my love of so many yeah. so much music especially i'm on a bit of a nostalgia trip at the minute so it was started with the 90s emo stuff so jimmy very much came into that scheme of that early yeah. that area but then <laughs> over lockdown i've massively got into 80s hair metal and i don't know why because nice, i've always nice. liked it but i've really got into it so nice, stuff like nice. cinderella and, um, and Duggan and um, I've really fallen in love with Rat <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why Rat. but the songs are brilliant you know yeah that's the, the songs are undeniable that's the thing track four 
Oh, mate. Oh, Idlewild, man. I, I know this is a band that you and me really oh. love. But when you talk about bands that really make an impact on your life, I still remember getting Captain. Um, and I was proud as well, because one of the first bands I got into totally off my own back. And, that's, and also, I, I'm lying through my teeth, because that is a total lie. I went to uh, the Cambridge uh, Alternative Clothing Cell. Do you remember <laughs> that? In the little, in the Guildhall. Yeah. The guy that sold the, the, the bootleg live CDs and stuff, right? Yeah. So he got, he got to know me, because I was in there like, like a hyperactive bloody teenager every Saturday going what you got mate what you got send me some, mm. no, send me some Sonic Youth and he's like alright cool cool calm down and so you know I was with the pumpkins that and Captain he, he, he says to me oh I've got this thing in Scottish punk band you might like it and I'm like oh, cool so it, what is it oh it's just, it's just a EP I never heard anything by him Captain so I buy it I go home I put it on I'm like oh this is amazing. Mm. This is like so exciting. It's like um, same symposium actually had the same effect on me. It's just yeah. youth, youthful exuberance. You know, uh, it was chaotic. It was it was, yeah. but there was so much melody. It was catchy as hell. It was yeah. heavy. It was it was so good. And hope is important. You know, like, oh, they've this yeah. is just a splash in a the pan. They've got some yeah. talent. Yeah. And then then a hundred break. And you just like the yeah. songs. Like I, yeah. I'm like the song. They and then you think it can't get any better. And then they release. <laughs> the bloody remote part yeah. and the first song is this lush beautifully produced string laden indie anthem like yeah. that you yeah. think they could you're like they have elevated themselves to a level that you, you knew they were good but now you're like this is and the first time i heard that song it, it was just like oh my god what what band are they becoming this is insane mm. Mm. and then the album came out and it's one of the most flawless albums ever released by any band in this country it is it's a 99 out of 100 album that it is virtually it is virtually flawless and that opening track is absolutely incredible it was fascinating fascinating watching them progress with each album you know from captain where it was just kind of barbed wire wrapped around distorted noise you know i remember yeah. reading an early review it said they sound like a piano falling down the stairs yeah fall, <laughs> falling down the stairs yeah falling down, the stairs, down the stairs yeah Hope is Important came out, started bringing in a bit more melody with When I Argue, I See Shapes, uh, and I'm a Message, and stuff like this. And then, yeah, 100 Broken Windows, when it was just like, okay, they've discovered REM. This is Yeah, cool. yeah, 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 REM, yeah, yeah. H hearing Roddy become more confident as a front man, and hearing the band just get kind of tighter and better, and then I think it was on the 100 Broken Windows cycle, they, they were supporting Pearl Jam in America and stuff like this and REM and you kind of knew where their sound was going but yeah like you said when, when a remote part came out and this uh, held the world in your arms came out as a single this was, it, well, it still is their biggest hit it was, it's their only yeah, top is, 10 it? single it was massive yeah, that's right. yeah, it was yeah. blanket radio coverage and it's that for me it's that perfect melding of like REM kind of poetic grandeur with like kind of huskadoo mm. indie rock riffs yeah. You know, they got that mix perfect. Um, Dave Oringa producing as well, did an incredible job. Yeah. And again, it's just Roddy Wumble, man. He's, he's a poet, a Scottish poet. Well, yeah, watching your youth drift away, what seems different seems different Seems today. different today, yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. Oh. Incredible. He's a, another a brilliant storyteller. Uh, yeah, a poet. Um, he's an amazing, amazing photographer as well. Um, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot, a lot of the photographs in, in the album sleeves. They are. are. Well, and yeah. you know Rod Roddy as well was the special. I mean, they were a special writing unit in the end. But I think in the early days, Roddy was the key. 
Um, nice. I, I think uh, they were like a bunch of sneering punk kids. And then they, uh, I think in the end, that's why Bob isn't it? the bassist left because they became a band he didn't want to be part of anymore. Yeah. He was the last member that was still like this old school punk. heavy punk, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I'm, and I'm grateful for those early. I mean, last night I missed all the fireworks to this day is still one of my absolute favourite songs. Yeah. Like just, yeah. I mean, it's just insane. It's just like a yeah. brilliant track. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, po- the progress from Captain to there yeah. is unbelievable. It's incredible. And, they 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 learn how yeah. to really write, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Cra- cra- craft, 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 just craft, write. craft, craft is yeah. the word. Yeah, they became yeah. craftsmen. That's right. And the key to all of that was Roddy's Roddy's lyrics. Um, they they really connected with people in a, in a really special way. Um, yeah. And you know, a lot of it was very metaphorical and and hidden in the double meanings and mm. um, very indirect, you know. But mm. also beautiful, you know, and um, and really descriptive. And I mean, you, you listen to like I'm a message or Idea Tracks are my favourites. It's just like yeah, yeah. so many beautiful lyrics. And and then, and then of course they got the choruses, they got the hooks. They were like the perfect package in the end. And then yeah. and then it all came together in a really really spectacular way on remote part it had you know the lush i love the lush strings in it as well like it got epic it, it, it builds mm. up as this crescendo mm. just like yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and at yeah, the yeah. end of it you just feel like you've run a marathon and you're like wow yeah. it's just like yeah. for, for me you know they still are one of my absolute favorite bands they massively paved the way for for like biffy clyro in in so many ways not just you know that unashamedly we are scottish and we will sing in scottish accents yeah and, and it's actually, I, it's I, interesting you bring up biffy too because biffy's early stuff they, they again they've been on a similar trajectory of crafting yeah they had yeah completely, um, you, completely. You, just, you listen it's, to black and sky and you compare it to like puzzle it's like Whoa, this is mental yeah. like, how is it the same band yeah. yeah it was that it was that kind of a upward trajectory but i, I don't know if it was because i was uh, i was the right age um, when Captain came out, I remember seeing them at Reading, uh, 1997, kind of mid-afternoon on the second stage. Uh, and all I'd, I'd all I'd heard by this point was uh, a track called Self Healer. Uh, Self Healer, what track? Yeah. Uh, I was, it was on a free Kerrang CD. And literally on the strength of that one song, I went to see them at Reading. I was like, well, okay, that song's rad. I want to see what it's like. And I couldn't make out a single song. It was literally 35 minutes of, of feedback, white noise distortion, screaming, you know, drums sound, sounded like they're toppling off a building. <laughs> and, and that was it. And then at the end, it was just like, thanks for Wild." I was like, I just remember walking out of the tent and thinking, that was amazing, but I don't know why. <laughs> But th- th- this fascinates me. I was eighteen. I had no cynicism. And I think I know. I, I to, your credit, to your credit. And, yeah, to your credit, mate. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I'll take that. I'll take that. But you know, like when you're eighteen and stuff, because you're soaking everything up like a sponge. You're like, oh my god, this, this is amazing. It's the best band ever. Oh, like every week, there's something new that's coming out, and it's the best thing ever that you've don't, ever heard. Don't you ever... miss that innocence though? Because I, I love that. I like that's why. Completely. I, it's why. Oh sim- my it's why and Bad Out was so good, and why the older yeah. guys were like, oh, I've always seen this all before. It's a load of shite. Well, like, yeah. they can't even write songs it's like they don't need to that was, no. this is where things have changed so much in the last few years I think because bands now are trying they're becoming these crafted staged almost um, sterile acts before they've even gone out and gig because yeah. it, it's changed now they, they've got to get people interested before they do that it didn't happen back then. You, you, no. All you needed to do was have it. You could have a chaotic. Like, but Idlewild is the perfect example. Symposium, I, put, yeah. I keep saying them, but they're another band. 
It was just chaos for 25 chaos. minutes in, yeah. in the boat race. Yeah. Chaos on stage. Yeah. It, but yeah. it was so much fun. And you came out yeah, of a sweaty brilliant. mess and you were alive. Yeah. You were alive. Yeah. And you, you saw that for your own lives. And it yeah. was people the same age as you. And you were like, this is insane. Like, how are they doing this? And, yeah. and then later on, they learned how to write songs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Completely doing it in reverse. Yeah, and now it's the way around. It's the other way around. Yeah, like, people yeah. are in studios writing these crazy... And then, and then they're going on the stage and it's all a bit... Uh, yeah. something's been lost a little bit that's what I feel but maybe I'm getting old too so it's that too uh, and, and something's changed for me but that is why I love that those chaotic bands and there were so many bands like that back in the day that mm. started off like it's, it did a chaotic mess with a they needed one song with a bit of a hook in it mm-hmm. and, and you yeah. could deal with all the other stuff but you know yeah. I'd want to have some amazing B-sides too and yeah, like, if you go back listen to them now you realise how brilliant they were but when you compare it yeah. to what they did when they learned how to craft this like craft you've got that yeah. word craft they, they yeah. took all that energy and then they craft and then they, they, they crafted it into this brilliant and it became the package then the full shebang but it yeah, took time to get to that point and and the yeah. thing is, it was all about just putting on the show and people walking out going fuck me that was incredible just a 30 minutes of chaos that's all you needed before we go on to your last song mate i just want to say that obviously we can't play uh, the music um on the podcast uh, due to copywriting and blah 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 but obviously what i do uh, i do an accompanying uh, spotify playlist collate all your five choices and we put that i put that playlist out uh, when the episode goes out live so people can uh, listen along and have as much of a good time as we are talking about mate. <laughs> absolutely brilliant <laughs> so uh, with that uh, what's your final choice my friends well we're going right back now right back to, to before I was even born uh, and the reason I bought this track up, well, there's a couple of reasons why I bought this up because it's probably where it started. It's where it started. It certainly started for my dad and me and my dad connecting. Uh, he's a big Sabbath, Black Sabbath fan. And, and I always remember, like, how heavy can you get? Um, and I remember going back and hearing this song. And I remember thinking, that is crushingly heavy. And it's not even just heavy, it's evil. It's brooding. It's, mm-hmm. it's the heart of heavy metal. And of course, it's Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, like the very first song they released. Can you imagine what I always try to think of? Imagine you just come out of the 60s, you just come out of the hippie times, you know, you had the monkeys and the Rolling Stones and the Beatles on the radio and all that kind of stuff. And they play that. Can you imagine hearing that for the first time? What and, and do you know what? It sounds as amazing. It, I, I don't know what it sounds like. I don't know what it sounds like then. But to me, going back in the 90s as a kid, hearing that, it was incredible. It was like... <gasps> Wow, I've never heard anything like it. It was dark, it was scary, it was evil, and it was absolutely amazing. And it still sounds incredibly powerful now. It's just, oh God, help me. It's just, ah! Yeah, <laughs> Ozzy's vocals it, as well, Oz, like, you know? Ozzy's <laughs> vocals, man. It's crazy, man. It's like 51 years old this year, 51? this song is. Oh, Fresh as a daisy. And to it think not as well. aged at no, all. And to think as well, when they came out, they were sort of ridiculed in a way that you know they weren't taken seriously no. they were people said they couldn't play their people wanted him to be another zeppelin or something like that you know yeah. jimmy page and tony omi you know come on yeah. you know and yeah, yeah and yeah they did it anyway they just said sod it and they were prolific mm. in the early years like, they pumped out yeah. albums for fun maybe six months you know yeah. uh, and they were doing something that they they were inventing the future you know they weren't they were yeah. playing something that hadn't been played before they were yeah. making sounds that never been heard before you know that's yeah, that, that's the crazy thing it's like they invented heavy metal. They, yes, there were bands before then. Yeah. You know, there was Blue Cheer. Yeah, obviously, there was, you know, the Stooges and, you know, the MC5, the Kinks, all this kind of stuff. But heavy metal was invented when this album came out. And it's because of the tritone. Yeah. You know, yeah. Th- those those three notes, down, down, down. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, anyone that has played guitar 
can play you, you can teach anyone to play those three notes yeah. and you're like and it just sounds so rad yeah yeah no, it sounds it, so it, good it when you play it you're on a guitar it's brilliant and that you know the tolling bell and it's the rain you, what we were talking about earlier about what makes you know a great opening track this to me scene setting when you're talking about the opening track being like that statement of intent that rolling out the yeah. carpet this is who we are yeah. this is what we're about we are black sabbath the fucking song's called black sabbath yeah. the album's called black sabbath <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. you know i mean i remember hearing this song like you i um i got into sabbath through my dad's and i i'd heard bits and bobs i remember my dad playing me this stuff and it genuinely scared me no it did you know? me it did me i found it a bit unsettling i was like wow you know because yeah. uh, dad puts it on in the brain and then it, it was evil it was evil mm -hmm. but it was so good it was so good i was like you know i never heard anything oh, yeah, i took yeah. my breath away a little bit i was like oh yeah and then just like oh it was epic it was it is it's the opening scene of an amazing horror film that's exactly what that is well if you think about it as well in the context of what they did um, their amazing back catalogue that that is the beginning of it all yeah, even now yeah. if I think about Sabbath that's what I go straight back to that is the, the, the opening of everything yeah. it's the beginning yeah. of an incredible epic story it's the, even now like, I listened to it earlier today because I was just like before we yeah. you know even now it still puts shivers on my spine I'm just like god yeah. it still sounds so evil <laughs> if you had to pick one song for, if someone said to you what, what is heavy metal someone said to you what is heavy metal yeah. you, you've got to send them a single song I, mean, I know a lot, a lot of people I know a lot of um, people my age who kind of got into metal through Metallica and Megadeth and Thrash and all that might pick some and I understand that I do you're wrong <laughs> I don't care it's Sabbath <laughs> it's Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath that it is, is no, that is what you the, send them and that is heavy metal yeah, this is heavy metal, and it's and it still is kind of the perfect heavy metal song. What you were saying about it is like the soundtrack to a horror film. For me, it's actually it's a condensed horror movie in five minutes. It's, it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. There are three movements to this song. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, and for for me, like when I was younger, when I was I was starting to listen to it and and listen to it a lot and really kind of get into it and stuff. It's the bit. The, the, the second third of the song where he goes yeah I was just talking about it it's heavy you know, metal it's heavy metal coming for your soul bro yeah yeah yeah, see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what it is it's chasing mate, you tomorrow. it's going to get you, mate, you know? it, it got me it, mate it got me years ago <laughs> no, mate, I'm with you on that. I, it takes me to places. You're right, it's, uh, and I love that about it. It's a, a very evocative track. You know, I think about yeah. You're right. You're, you're somewhere with that song. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, and you know, it also makes me laugh. It's something my dad said. He said when that album first came out, he said there was rumours going around that um, it was only two people because <laughs> Bill Ward, Tony Iommi, and Geezer all looked like the same chap. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the it's just, there was this evil thing about this evil band fronted by Ozzy with this wailing vocal and it was just one bloke yeah. behind him you know playing everything like. <laughs> and I, that's always that's always stood with oh, me I mean I think about amazing. that it makes me laugh because I look back at pictures and he's right they all look like the same person yeah they do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can tell in their minds that they that they know that what they're doing is different like you can see it yeah. in their faces and they're looking the way they're playing you know uh mm -hmm. you know they're doing whatever and i love the fact like i i, I went to see the black Sabbath exhibition mm. um in uh, birmingham a year or two ago Wonderful. i did a little bit of history about their growing up where they were they were heavily influenced by the industrial upbringing that they had and the lack of jobs and working class upbringing and all that kind of stuff and you hear that all in the music and basically you know ozzy's saying i needed to get out we needed to get out and um and what we wanted to write is we wanted to write songs that were representative of how we really felt and that's how we felt 
you know it was despair mm. and i love that it's just it's, it's yeah. so incredible and I, I just love the fact as well that like we said you know um you start a metal band now and you've got all this history behind you all this influence 50 years of it you know how do you do anything innovative you know or someone says you to start a metal band they instinctively know what you mean what were they thinking when they started that band <laughs> you know, i know like, you know when they, they started doing things that now we take for granted but they were they were making stuff up they had no one to fall back on they were just no. playing stuff and that's what it sounded like and they decided to stick with it and they did it. Um, they've earned the right to be called, you know, the Godfathers of Metal. You know, and that yeah, is heavy. No, completely. That song completely. Is heavy metal. Danny, that's been a fucking incredible chat. <laughs> that's Thank been you great so much, there. dude. That's been brilliant. <laughs> Thank Last you for asking one. me. I really appreciate it. It's been uh, it's been been really good going back and going through this stuff actually and reconnecting with it. It's been it's been fun, man. There you go. See, I told you it was a cracker, didn't I? See, I've known Danny for twenty plus years. This love of guitar music always shines bright. So cheers, dude. And to all you people out there, take care of each other, please. And I'll see you soon. Adios. I feel kind of basic today. Top five side ones, track ones. You've been listening to the Track One Side One podcast with me, Gaz Jones. Give us a follow on all the social medias at Track One Side One Podcast to keep fully up to date with all future episodes and guests. Where there will also be links to Spotify playlists that will accompany each show. So please check them out. And I'll see you soon.